Great to be together out here as we've observed God's creation and even more important, his new creation in us, brothers and sisters. It's a delight to fellowship and serve one another and get to know one another in a way that we normally don't on any given Sunday. We're continuing this little mini-series on communication and this morning we're going to look at the topic of communicate carefully. And let's, we're going to be in James chapter 3. Let's read, if you hopefully have your Bibles, James 3 verses 1 through 12. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put bits into horses' mouths so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so great and driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder, which the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity, The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does the fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs, nor can salt water produce fresh? Let's pray again. Our Father, we thank you again that we can be here. We thank you for your word that is precious, that illuminates our path. And may we be like these massive trees Lord, that are watered from you, that we would be watered and grow, Lord, as mighty men and women, boys and girls of God, and that we would have tongues that are sanctified, that we would communicate better. Father, forgive us for the many times that we blew it, that we sinned with our tongues, and may uh, these studies from yesterday, today, and tomorrow be profitable to help us to grow. And Father, we thank you that we have such a wonderful Savior that never sinned once with his tongue, and that we even have his righteousness and the power to speak well. 
for your glory. Help us, help the children, help this time to be profitable, that you would get all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we do rejoice that Jesus paid the penalty for the sins of the tongue and all of our other sins. And uh, obviously the sins of the tongue are, we could say, massive, uh, plentiful. And Jesus not only saved us from the penalty, but he saved us, as we heard last night, unto good language so that we would have those good words to one another, to our family members, our brothers and sisters, that we would put off the bad speech and put on the good speech. Again, and we didn't share notes to the elders, but I think we're finding a lot of parallels already. And I was uh, said, oh, Tom said that yesterday. I had the same thing in my notes. Praise the Lord for his word and the truth. And the Lord has orchestrated uh, even these details. One verse that might summarize some of the thoughts today for communicate carefully, which is the title, is Ephesians 5.15. Maybe you know it by heart. Therefore, be careful how you walk, and we might put in brackets, and as, as you talk, be careful how you walk and talk, not as unwise men, but as, what? Wise. We're called to have wise speech and wise walking, and walking, of course, applies to talking as well. And James has a lot to say about the tongue as we kick off our, our, our consideration. James one twenty six says, If anyone thinks himself to be religious, and by the way, religion is not a bad word, it's in the Bible, it's, it's a good word. Uh, if any man thinks himself to be religious, and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless or useless. You might be very outwardly religious, you might be a Reformed Baptist, but if you don't bridle your tongue, your religion is worthless or useless. It's that important. So we must communicate carefully. If we don't, then it, we may prove our religion is worthless. Lesson one of five, the way we communicate is proof of true or false religion. The way we communicate, the way we talk, is proof of true or false religion. We have a confession of faith. We have a summary, our statement of faith. We ask you to read it. We've taught through it. And you can have the best confession, and you can say, I adhere to the 1689 London Baptist Confession, but if you don't speak right, your religion is worthless. The Bible is very serious. James 3 is profound. Many verses in the Scriptures speak to communication. That's why we chose it as our theme for this camp. And even as we read um, at the beginning... Those that teach will incur a stricter judgment. Pray for John, Tom, and myself. And we pray for ourselves. We have not arrived. We need fresh forgiveness. We need the power of God to speak well. All of us need God's grace. And John MacArthur said this, Our speech is a reliable measure of our spiritual temperature. So here's the thermometer, the test of Scripture. Put it in your mouth. How's your spiritual temperature? It's the way you speak. It's that serious. How are we doing? So 
may these messages encourage us, but also take your spiritual temperature. How, how is your speech? Speaking harshly to our wives or your husband or your children or children to parents can prove if you have true or false religion. We talk about being orthodox. We must be according to the standard of Scripture and what we profess to believe. We take that very seriously, but do we take equally serious the way we speak? It's really the ABCs of being a Christian. How do we speak? Do we have that that putrid speech that we're forbidden to have, or do we have the good words, even the words of God? We are born afresh children of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called the children of God. Do we speak like it? If we don't, our religion is useless. It's that serious. Praise God that He gave us a Savior because we need one for the sins of our tongues. Well, there were four things listed, and you probably know the passage. Maybe the kids heard it. There are four Small things that have great effects. Did, did any of you kids hear about a small thing from our passage that has great effects? No. no? That's an honest, good answer. Well, I'll give you a hint. One goes in a horse's mouth. Do you know what it's called? I heard it. A bit. A bit. I'm not familiar with horses, but I, I looked it up so I'd know what I'm talking about. It's like if you put a pencil or a piece of metal in your mouth. I, I felt bad for those horses after I, I looked up a bit. Some of them are not comfortable, and they go up in their mouth to their cheeks. So it's, it's very small, that little bit. And second was a what? Does anyone remember? It's on the, a rudder on, on the back of a ship. You see these containers over here? There's even a Zim container. used to work for that company. Those ships are massive. They have thousands of containers. And how big is that rudder on the back? Relatively. It's relatively small. And they didn't have those size of ships then, but in Acts it mentions I think they had 176 souls on one ship. There are big ships. But yet there's this small rudder that guides. So we had small bits, small rudders, and what else? Adults, you can help out. What was the third small thing? That's the fourth. So yes, a, the, the spark, the, the fire, a small fire. And what was the other one? A tongue, yes. Thank you. So we had the bit in the horse's mouth, the rudder on the ship, the small tongue, and then the small fire. Small four. I was going to say s'mores. Wow, I wonder why. Four small things that have great effects. And we're just going to briefly unpack these. And it's interesting, there's a lot of parallels between James and Proverbs. He quotes several. But just as an aside, Proverbs 30.24 says, There are four things which are small on the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. So here, James has four small things with great effects. The first in verse 3, now if we put bits into the horse's mouths so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Now what do those bits, what are they used for? They put that bit 
and we heard bridle as well, which is part of the bridle, the whole thing over the horse's head. They put that in the horse's mouth. Why? To steer it. To steer the horse. To, to guide. We have to obey. To listen to. To restrain. Because when you guide that horse's head, where does his body go? It follows right along. The head directs the horse. And that's the word that is used next, direct, to guide, to control. And one author said, if we do that with horses, shouldn't we do it with ourselves? If we can direct, and that's the argument of James, if we can direct a horse, and some horses are massive, they scare me, frankly. They're gorgeous. They can step on your foot and break your toes. But that little bit in their mouth when the rider is guiding them, they can run, they can go all over the history of human humanity is the history of horses. And they don't ride bareback with nothing, they have a bit. They guide that horse with that small bit. Second, we said the rudder, verse 4, look at the ships also. Again, they had at least a ship in Acts that had 176 people on. That was a big boat. And of course today we have much bigger ships. And it says though they are so great. And by the way, there's a, lot, there's a play on words in all these verses, small and large, great and small. These ships are so great and are driven by strong winds and are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot. I didn't know that the people that drive ships were called pilots till I really read the Bible and then I worked in this container shipping industry. They're pilots, not only on airplanes, but ships. And even our NAS translates it, the pilot, even in, from ancient times, the person directing the ship by this very small, emphatically very small rudder. It's actually the superlative word, uh, for small, which is mikros, it's another word, but it's the superlative of micro, so it's even bigger, or, or smaller, if you will. The superlative of micron, the very small rudder. Now, what happens if the ship is going through the Puget Sound or out in the open sea, and it's theoretically, if the driver's holding uh, the rudder or he's steering it, what happens if, if someone scares him and he goes like this? What's going to happen to that ship if the rudder even adjusts a little bit? Pardon? It'll change direction. What can happen to the ship? Run aground. Especially in a Puget Sound. You have to stay in a particular place. And even as you get along the coast, there's sandbars and there's, there's things in the water. And if you're heading to South Korea and your rudder's not in the right direction, you may end up in Hawaii or New Zealand or Australia. That little rudder is very critical. So we had the small bit, we had the small rudder, verse 5, so also the tongue is small, micron again, micro, microscope, microscopic, this small tongue, part of the body, and yet, it's small, but yet it boasts of great Megala, mega. So we got this, these play on words, this, the micro with the mega. It boasts of great things. See or behold, how great a forest, we're out in the forest, how, how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. 
Hey kids, compared to the rest of your body, is your tongue big or small? No. Compared to the rest of your body, your tongue is about this big, but your body, some of us are bigger than others, it's so small. Yet, the tongue boasts and says, look at me. Or maybe it's like the uh, Pharisee that said, I thank you God that I'm not like those people. There are many boasts. The tongue can boast of itself. And that's what our passage is going to mention many times, the arrogance, the boastfulness of the tongue. We could say it this way, pride strikes the match and a massive fire breaks out. Now maybe some of you have noticed along the highways over the last couple months, you're driving down I-5 and you see a black section. What happened? Pardon? Carbecue. So what comes out of those cars that might cause that fire? A spark. A spark or what else? How big is a spark? It might be almost microscopic, tiny. But what can happen if that hits that dry grass? Because it's burned down. One little spark could burn down this whole miles and miles of area. And maybe you, I know all the adults have, we saw what happened in Maui. The wind was blowing and it, it hit some generators and caused sparks and the entire town burned down. And you can read about old Mother Leary and the cow kicked the lantern in the shed and Chicago Fire, the great, it's a funny kid's song, but it's true. The whole city of Chicago burned down because of that lantern. At least that's what I understood. But it, it happens. Little fires can burn down a whole house. Think about those words, and Tom mentioned a few examples yesterday. What if someone cuts you off on the highway and you, you yell at them? Or you give them a, a, a frown? Or you shake your fist? We have something today, for years now, road rage. People can get killed, ran off the road, chased home because of this anger, this little spark, this little match, this little tiny thing. And, and we hit all four. We gave this, these examples. James gives these examples of the bit, the rudder, the tongue, and the spark. And they are small things that have a great effect. Because once those words go out, can we reel them back? It might just be one word. And that word could have crushed someone. Could have brought them to tears. And if we're honest, we've all said some of those harsh words that we need to repent of. And that is the thrust of of James 3, that those little words can cause great effects. Proverbs put it this way, like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Fights can break out because someone gets offended by a word. Lesson two, 
A few small words can cause great destruction, so let us communicate carefully. We've said it in several ways. A few small words can cause great destruction, so communicate carefully. It can ruin friendships. It can ruin marriages. They say money is the number one cause of divorce. I'm sure communication is right there. And if it's money, it's communicating about money. Communication, if we mess up, it can ruin our marriages. It can break friendships with parents and siblings and children. It can destroy churches. It's that serious. It's like this beautiful forest. If we came back next year and this was all gone, we might even shed a tear. We love This is beautiful. How much more are families, our church, our friendships, our society? We've seen riots in our country. Tom mentioned wars yesterday because of this little member. This little member can start a war. So we must communicate carefully. Proverbs 13.3 The one who guards his mouth preserves his life. The one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Do we desire life or ruin? It's an obvious answer. Again, it was mentioned yesterday, do we speak loudly, harshly, roughly, or rudely? We're destroying others. And children, you children can speak roughly and you need to ask God to forgive you. And when you speak rudely to your parents or your siblings, that's sin. And you have to say, God, forgive me. And you have to run to Jesus and ask mom and dad, I'm sorry, mom and dad, I sinned. Because this little tongue can land us where? In hell. That's why we started, we thank God for Christ to atone for our sinful speech. Yes, yes, thank you. You're listening, that's great. Again, John MacArthur said, misuse of the tongue is perhaps the easiest way to sin. It may be the most common sin. I don't think we speak of it that way, and Tom mentioned it yesterday. We think there's many other more important things to think about, to talk about, to study, but how much effort do we spend thinking and and praying, Lord, help me with my tongue. Help me, Lord, to speak well. A wise man is cautious and turns away from evil or evil speech, but a fool is arrogant and careless. Are we going to be cautious or careless? Where there are many words, transgression is what? Unavoidable. Where there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Proverbs 10.19. One more. Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is counted prudent. Help us, Lord. So we saw these small things and this small fire, but we move to verse 6, which is, in one sense, one of the most amazing verses on this topic. James 3, verse 6. And the tongue is a fire, 
the very world of iniquity. The tongue is among our members as that which defiles part of the body. No, the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. Tom said it yesterday. This is spiritual warfare. And I would say it's the most common kind. The tongue is set on fire by hell. Have you ever, children, touched a flame? Have you ever been burned by a match? Does that feel good? No, it hurts. Have you ever been hurt by someone's words? Yes, the tongue is that fire which can burn. He says it's not only a fire, but he uses this phrase that should get our attention. The very world of iniquity. I don't think I've ever said that phrase, except if I'm reading the scripture. Do we think and do we pray, Lord, protect my, my, my tongue, stop my tongue, because it has the potential to be the very world of iniquity. We say pride is the what sin? Pride is the mother sin. Nobody says that. <laughs> Pride is the mother sin. I've heard people say that. Well, we might say the tongue is the father sin. The very world of iniquity. It's sort of like the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. It's one of those passages which should catch our attention and cause us to pause because that little member can have such great effects. Listen to just a few. Lying, boasting, gossiping, slandering, flattering, complaining, murmuring, cursing, coarse jesting, criticizing, yelling in a sinful fashion, destroying friendships, families, churches, causing fights, division, lawsuits, and war. It's the very world of iniquity. It defiles the entire body. Not only part, it has the potential to defile everything but for God's grace and affect the entire course of our life. Lesson three. Don't underestimate the vileness of your sinful words. It's like the sinfulness of sin. Don't underestimate the vileness of your sinful words. These are sins that we say, Father, forgive me of my debts. Forgive me for the way I spoke to my wife. Forgive me for the way I spoke to my brother at church. Maybe you call them or send them a text saying, I'm, I'm sorry I said that. I, I sinned. Forgive me. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's Maybe it's the clerk on the phone that you're chewing out because they messed something up. Maybe you have to say, I apologize, I sinned. That little member set on fire by hell or Gehenna, the place of defilement and fire. The tongue can be hell's portal, hell's gate, hell's door. That's why we should be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. Jesus said the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. 
So by His grace, we're not going to be dominated by this, but we are warned not to speak this way. And we said it, without Christ, our tongues would land us in hell. We'd be there right now and we would deserve it just for the sins of the tongue. I I underestimate the sins of the tongue. And I know Tom exhorted us yesterday. It is no small sin. There's no such thing as a small sin. And surely this very world of iniquity is something that we need forgiven. And we thank the Father that He sent His Son, that Christ died for those sins. Do we take sin that seriously, that our Savior had to die for it. Verse 7. For most people, and this, I think this is a general statement, he hasn't went into sanctification or necessarily being in Christ in our passage, but he says, for every species of beast and birds of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. They've been subdued or controlled And if you start thinking, mankind, we were called to subdue the earth and we subdued all these creatures. But humanity without Christ will never tame the tongue. So lesson four, by the power of Christ, let us tame our tongues. Let us tame, let us subdue and control our tongues. We have, as Tom encouraged us yesterday, we have the Spirit of God in us, we have Christ in us, we have the power of the cross to tame our tongues, to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness, of godly speech. We pray like David, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Sometimes we just need to close our lips, men. Sometimes we just need to be quiet and not make that next comment to our wives, to our children, to anyone. Remember, even the fool is considered wise when he keeps silent. Lord, set a guard over my mouth. And remember, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. This is spiritual warfare. Verse 8, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. This word here for restless evil, it's like a wild animal that is fiercely fighting to get out of its cage or to get out of its harness. That's how the tongue it wants out. It wants to get its way. Remaining sin wants to let loose, unload on somebody. Yet we have been born from above. We have Christ in us. We have the Spirit empowering us. We have a higher calling. So, by God's grace, we ponder how to answer. Proverbs 15.28 We study how to answer. We think about it. It's that careful communication. Winding down, verses 9 and 10. With it, what's it? Verse 9, with it we bless the Lord. With what? Our tongue. With our tongue we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been 
made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Remember, he uses this phrase in James 15 times, my brethren. He's not speaking to the world. He's addressing Christians. He's instructing us so that we would communicate carefully, even in this chapter three times, my brethren, my brethren, my brethren. These things ought not to be a hapax legomena. We heard what that was last week, a word used once in the Greek New Testament. These things ought not It's an unusual use. One time, these things ought not to be. So just thinking of that phrase, these things ought not to be, the final lesson is this. Brethren, brothers and sisters, let us pursue consistent, Christ-like communication. Consistent. Because these things ought not to be. We cannot make an excuse, well, I was too tired. I was too stressed out. I work too hard. I have this excuse, that excuse. There's no excuse for for sinful speech. We can never make an excuse. It ought not to be. We have the power and the ability to do the right thing. As John prayed and often does, that Christ would be fully formed in us to have this beautiful speech that we would put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust or in regard to the tongue's wicked possibilities. And he, let, he finishes with four illustrations to convince us to communicate carefully and why we should. Verse 11, Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? What's the answer? No. Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives? No. Can a vine, that is a grapevine, produce figs? No. And nor can salt water produce fresh. Therefore, we as the people of Christ, are we allowed to speak in these sinful ways that we've been talking about? No. It ought not to be. Yes, we stumble in many ways, yet we are exhorted and reasoned with by these four small things. What were they, kids? What were the four small things? The tongue? A bit? A spark? A rudder. Yeah, those four small things. The Christian does not have to let that little member defile and ruin everything. So may God help us to do that. Remember, the way we communicate is proof of true or false religion. A few small words can cause great destruction, so communicate carefully. Don't underestimate the vileness of sinful words. By the power of Christ, let us tame our tongues. And then we concluded, brethren, let us pursue consistent Christ-like communication. Any questions or comments before we pray? Brethren, let us pursue consistent, Christ-like communication. Okay, one illustration before we go. 
Tom mentioned something similar yesterday, and I asked my wife if I could share this. Tom mentioned coming to church Sunday mornings. How about packing for camp? And my, 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 we can turn off the recording, yes. My beloved wife, she, she likes to have a lot of stuff. And when we had our kids with us, I mean, that minivan, literally, at the end, we're shoving and it's, it's funny, but it's not funny what I'm going to tell you. I, before camp, I got so angry. And, and I wasn't kind to my wife. More than once, forgive me, Lord. And, and I, I confessed it to her. And even when we're seeking to be religious, going to church camp to teach at, preach at church camp or preach Sunday morning, or maybe you're going out to evangelize, at those moments, the devil... And that remaining sin, that very world of iniquity, that remaining, what remains of it, can just devastate the audience. Can destroy people. Can destroy a camp. Destroy friendships. It can hurt. And once it's out, we say we can't reel back those words. Even we say, I'm sorry, sweetie, I, I blew it. It still can hurt. By God's grace, we forgive one another. So, even today, Brothers and sisters, let us say, I'm sorry, sweetheart. I'm sorry, brother. I'm sorry, sister. I, I blew it and I, and I sinned. Confess it to God. Confess it to the one you hurt. And then let us labor to press on in this proof of true or false religion. Let's pray. Father, we do confess that we've sinned way too many times with our tongues. Maybe even this morning, Lord. Forgive us. And we thank you for such a Savior that really atones because we could never atone for one sin of the lip or any sin at all. Father, we are even shaken by James 3. It is sobering, Lord. And we thank you that you communicate honestly to us and clearly and you give us the medicine. You give us the, the medicine we need, these supplements of Scripture to instruct us that we would be adequate, equipped for every good work, even every good word. Lord, change us and may we have true religion that our tongues would be like Christ, speaking grace and love and patience. Lord, that they would speak less. Help me, Father, to close my lips that I might be counted prudent. Lord, help our children Fill them with your Spirit. Save them, even at camp. Lord, do a mighty work in each soul here that we would run to Christ and be more like Christ. We thank you for the power we have in Him. May He get all the glory. Bless the day and grant us safety, good fellowship, and a great time. We thank you, Father. Amen.